And welcome to episode 17 of the Krakenbacks podcast with your hosts, Dr. Terry Wyman and Dr. Spencer Barron. How are you doing today, guys? Really I'm good. Doing great. I'm doing great. <laughs> All right, nice. And joining us today is Dr. Mike Miller, who served as team chiropractor for the New England Patriots football team for the past 38 years from 1982 to 2020. He was inducted into the Professional Football Chiropractor Society Hall of Fame in 2018. And it's just, you know, overall... Really great guy. I'm doing well. We all think so. Yeah. Hey, Mike, you know, 38 years, that's longer than Spencer and I have been committed to anything. <laughs> I mean, that, that's just that's just amazing. Never you thought know, of it that way, but yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, it's true. I, yeah, for both yeah. of us. What does this journey look like? I mean, it's you're in awe and you're are a true legend in the world of sports chiropractic and we're so honored to have no, you here you. and for you to take the time for us. What is this journey? I know it's uh your your thirty eight years. What's this journey look like? It's been a great run for me. You know, during the early times with the team, they went through some tough times, but you know, you survive, you try to do the best you can. And my whole philosophy for, with the team was that I wanted them to understand the significance of chiropractic care for the athletes. So I think through the years, I've had seven different head coaches. I've convinced all of them the (laughs) importance of the adjustment and what it meant to the performance of the player and so forth. So even though every time a new regime came in, they try to obviously put their own people in there. They don't want the same regime there i've managed to survive any cuts so i went out on my own time in 2020 when i just felt when tom had played his last game for us it was time to say goodbye and you know look for something else to do wow so you kind of went out with tom i went out with tom (laughs) he was the first one that and at the end of the game, he came over to me because he wanted to apologize for not being able to bring me a seven Super Bowl ring. Oh, my I God. said, Tom, you know, you've given me six rings. <laughs> oh, you've given yeah. me the six. I appreciate you. I love you. And I said, I want to let you know something because when I came off the field today was the first time I felt that it was time for me to hang up my cleats. And I want to say goodbye to you for everything you've done for me. And he started to get a little teary-eyed and made me teary-eyed, oh, no. but he never told me at the end that he wasn't he was going to go to another team. I assumed he would retire after that time. <laughs> but, you know, all, wow. all, uh, there's always that conversation of people wanting to know about you know you and Tom Brady and the and the and chiropractic. But did you have other players in your history that really made an impression on you too? There were a lot of players. I mean, obviously, my first quarterback in the industry was Steve Grogan. So he was one of the first that when they retired him at his party, came over 
to the group and he made an announcement that he had someone in the audience that he wanted to thank for allowing him to play 14 years with the team in the NFL. And if it weren't for this person, and my wife was sitting beside me and we were trying to joke. It's like, yeah, he's talking about me. She goes, it would be nice if he was, but he said, would Dr. Mike Miller please stand up? Oh, oh my God. So gosh. I'll never How forget that, that because it was the first player that publicly acknowledged me in front of a group of probably oh. about a thousand people that were there for his that retirement. Standing, And, you know, there's certain players like Stanley Morgan, my first wide receiver, I'll never forget because in those days, the guys like, you know, Spencer, if yeah. they would get a touchdown, they want to give you something for helping them out in their careers. So yeah. he gave me his first touchdown ball. Oh. And Willie McGinnis was probably the most memorable for me because we had a good relationship on and off the field. And he started a little mantra there when I would come into the locker room all the time. So it was always, it's Miller time. <laughs> so everyone would start cheering. And, you know, and he would, he would hop on the table before any other player would get there. Even if he was like 10th in line, he would just push himself on the table, lie down, and he goes, who's after me? Yeah, <laughs> and Bill Bill Belichick would see that sometimes, so he'd get a kick out of it. So when Willie was out of the picture and retired, he'd come into the room, and if there'd be four or five players waiting to be seen, he'd say, "Who's after me?" I said, "Bill, oh, you're no not way. saying it with conviction in your voice. Yeah. You got to talk like <laughs> Willie talked. If people are going to move out of the way, oh great, right. you know, players like that you never forget. And yeah, Tom no. Brady was a one of a kind as well." That's great. But, you know, there was a player who passed recently, David Patton. He passed away. He had a motorcycle accident recently. And mm -hmm. he was one of the first players that his first year with the team gave me his first touchdown ball. Uh, and I wanted to give it back to him. And he says, no, Doc, this is for you, man. And the wow. touchdown ball that he had when he jumped like six feet up in the air to pull it in at one of the Super Bowls came to me as well. Oh, oh my God. You know, man. That's so you, you collected things over the years. In the recent yeah. last five years or so, the players aren't as generous, I'd say. Where <laughs> they, <laughs> it's a different breed where they're yeah. more self-centered. So you really, I never asked for anything. So mm -hmm. my collection started to go down after. <laughs> in That's the what you latter needed, years. Had to go. Right. Had to move on. <laughs> then it had, you had to go. Yeah. How do you, uh, how'd you, with the regimes of the coaches changes, what was your, was it the players that kept you on to, to convince them to keep you on if they wanted their own people or did you have, I think, some way I think it was the, yeah, I think it was the players more than anything else. But, you know, it was like at one point when Bill Belichick came aboard, I had treated Bill when he was with Bill Parcells as the oh. defensive coordinator. God. But when he came on, Within a week of him being there, the head trainer called me and he said, I just want to give you a heads up, Doc. All of our guys have just been let go. And Bill called me personally to tell me I'm gone. So I'm letting you know you're probably next in line. It's like, well, if that's the case, then that's the case. I mean, what are you going to do about it? Right. And that wow. day we got a call in the office and they said, Bill Belichick is coming in. He'd like to see me that day. And usually oh. I see him at the stadium. So. 
It's like, this is unusual that he would call to come into the office. I, I said, I know the way he does things. Maybe he wants to fire me right in my own office. <laughs> oh my God. So he came, he came in, he got treated. And after the treatment, I said, do you have something to say to me? He says, about what? I said, oh, I just got a call from Ron. And he was telling me that everyone was let go in the team. And he said something I would never forget. He said, you know something, Doc? The chance of you being let go is less than me being let go. Oh, my God. He said, so you don't have to worry about it. You're here. So that night I had about a half a dozen calls from the medical director, other people like, are you on or what happened? You you get fired? It's like, no, I'm still here. Believe it or not, I survived. I'm a survivor. (laughs) Wow. Why do you think that that is, Mike? I I tell you why it is. Because the team never heard me say the word no. Oh, wow. So, right there. <laughs> you know, yeah. When they yeah. would ask, can someone come to the office? Can you come over here on your Wednesday afternoon? Can you come oh. here? Can you meet this player at the locker room? Yeah. I always said yes. Oh, and I had been at every, I know Spencer had an easy job because he never had to go <laughs> on the road trips. Either yeah, that right. or he was smarter than I was. No, he oh, had an man. easier job. Yeah. Look at his hand. Yeah, you know, right? <laughs> I, I see he's always working on his muscles and his teeth. Yeah, yeah. See, see, we always say yes, and he's always like, "Well, no, I got to work on my tan." Yeah. Exactly. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> we get to go. We get to go in the sun one week a year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's in the winter time. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Oh man! In my defense, I got Stacy Conrad, who was with the Indianapolis Colts. He traveled for you know years, and then he yeah. finally he retired and gave it up to Marcus. And right. he would badger me all the time. <laughs> why are you Why are you traveling with the team? And I go, Well, it's really great how I have it right now. I go in, I get out. You know, I'm done for the day. Spend time with the kids, all that. And finally, when he left, I heard him say, "Wow." Now I finally got my weekends back. And right. I go, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. You just told me. And then I started traveling and I go, I realized what the role reversal was. And he was, he it goes, is yeah, nice. you know, I, I do not. Yes. You know, misery enjoys company. He said, yeah. Right. Right. I don't miss coming home at three and four in the morning. That part <laughs> I don't miss. Right. <laughs> yeah. That was, t- that is tough. Yeah. Yeah. Do you miss? Uh, do you do you miss it? I mean, that was, even though it's only a year, when you watch them play, you kind of I miss, miss being out yes. there. I miss the camaraderie. I think I would have had more of a mourning period if last year in our stadium yeah. they never allowed anyone into the stadium all season, so there were no fans allowed all year. Yeah. So I never got a chance to go back to my original seat to sit there in the stadium. <laughs> This year, for the first time, when I went with my wife, she used to go with a friend of mine, and he would take my place. So they have a camaraderie of about 25 people in their section where they are. When I came to the first game this year, at halftime, my wife looked at me and she said, you're not really too fun with these guys. You're not, you're not <laughs> interacting. I said, first of all, I don't know the guys around me. I'm here to watch the game because my vision was always like a laser vision to the field to watch what was happening. Yeah. So I'm trying to concentrate. And I'm being tapped on the back constantly like, <laughs> were you here when Grogan was here? You, you yeah. work with Bill Parcells too? So I'm turning and answering and I'm missing every play. So at <laughs> halftime, she said, 
my friend was much more engaging with the group than I was. I said, well, all I can tell you is maybe I'll sit home from now on and you can take John to the games. (laughs) Did you treat Parcells by any chance? Yes, yeah. Every head coach was treated. So one thing we did convince them is that they needed it as well as the players did. So there wasn't one coach that I never treated. Every one of them had been an active participant. Because uh, when Bill came over to Miami Dolphins, he asked me to adjust him. And I'll yeah. tell you, the first time I met the guy, his crystal blue eyes just yeah. they looked into your soul. I mean, right. I, he was leadership quality. Exactly. So I adjusted I adjusted his hips, and it was such a, a, a movement. And he was playing golf that day. He came back the next day. He goes, every coach needs to get adjusted who plays golf. I go, why? He goes, man, I had a spectacular game, and I want you to adjust my hips every time. And I go... You, really? You know, it's one of those things. Yeah. You know, just And see, a, a lot of people saw the arrogance in Bill Parcells. Right. But yeah. through his wife and other people that had been in that were close to him, she had told me that he also played classical piano when he got home. So I said, oh. I, I can't picture your husband behind a piano. She goes, well, you'd have to come to my house to hear him play. Oh my! So gosh, you know, little kidding. things that you find out about people, but he didn't fit that picture of someone who would be, yeah. you know, sitting home playing uh, show tunes. No, <laughs> that's cool though. Yeah, but you know, some of his former players would would break through a brick wall for the guy. He oh, he knew no how to get in about it. and and to motivate and inspire you like no other coach. He was amazing, or maybe like Belichick. He, you know, everyone everyone to me is more intimidated by Belichick because the players were fearful of him. They would never be late one second for a meeting. They jump off the table. If they know I get two minutes, I got to get to the meeting. But you know, he wasn't as abrasive to the player as Bill was. If, (laughs) if someone was injured and they were on a stationary bicycle, he'd go over to him and he'd say, Hey, hey buddy, what's the story? When are you, when are you going to be playing for us here? Oh, pretty soon coaching. So it's pretty soon. I healed faster from open heart surgery than you have with your hamstring fall. <laughs> yeah, so he, he'd make him feel a little bit bad yeah. about it. But oh, Bill is the type, though, that once he has favorites that were players, whether they were from the past or present, he would always give them special privileges. Yeah. But yeah. anyone else beware. Yeah. Jimmy Johnson was like that. Jimmy Johnson. I heard he, he was uh, like that too. He he yeah. inspired guys. He uh, but he he played favorites and he was very clear about it. He goes, right. "You play good, you're my favorite." That's it, you know. So instead of being condemned for it, he really yeah. stood up to it. That was great. well. Belichick was out of all the coaches the biggest proponent for chiropractic. He actually really enforced it and said, you know, he wow. would tell them at meetings, "Doc Miller is here. He's going to be here at." These hours, I want everyone who's injured or anyone who isn't to be seeing him today. If you don't wow. and something happens, you'll deal with me. Oh, wow. So, Gosh, you know, like some guys fantastic. I would talk to on the road, it's like, boy, these guys have it easy. They might see a half a dozen guys before the game. They were calling me a half hour into the time we'd arrive and say, when are you coming out in the field? I said, oh. I can't come out in the field until maybe 20 minutes before when, you know, we were seeing like 35 players before each game. Oh, my gosh. <sighs> And then, you know, they're, they're seeing six and say, where are you, Doc? We're all yeah. waiting out here for you. It's like, yeah. yeah. I'm <laughs> when <working>. I'm sweated <laughs> up and I change, I'll be down there, right? Yeah. 
So he gotta, made it harder for me because everyone wanted it, whether they were an equipment manager, whether they were on the uh, wow, you know, training yeah. staff. They all yeah. got adjusted, even the medical staff. So I found wow, that interesting too. Yeah. That's such a good testimony for the profession. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Wow. I I will say that the coldest, the second coldest I've ever been in my entire life is in Gillette Stadium. I thought my guts were going to spill over from frostbite. I mean, I have never been. How do you? How did you deal with that all the time? What was it like? Sixty degrees. Harden yourself to it. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, it was so bad at times that you know we the worst game I ever played. We were in Buffalo, and it was like eighteen degrees and as windy as could be. And the actual uprights were swaying during the game. So they had to tie ropes oh. to them to hold them down. If you try to wow. kick the football, it would like just stay in the air and just whoop, come right down. Oh so, gosh. But the wind was like biting at you. It's like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to survive this. That's when you start wondering, are the guys going to miss me if I go into the locker room and you know like warm up for a second? <laughs> because the Patriots wouldn't, you know, they – their whole thing is around the players. You know, they put them on a pedestal. So if you're a doctor, hey, you're just, you're uh, expendable. So they have heaters on the sideline. Yeah. We weren't allowed to go near the heaters at any time. Even if the players left the bench and they were to go on the field, it's like if you wanted to put your hands and warm up, that's like, nope, they're just for the players. And you'd get a letter from the management if you did stand in front of the heater. Wow. So because I was the eldest one there, they would say, if some of the new guys were there, they'd say, hey, Doc, you got to tell them they can't stand there. So I'd say, are you kidding me? It's like, no, they're watching from above. So you're going to get a letter in the mail or you're going to get an email, something. But that's how it was there. But our rules were like no other rules from any other team. Yeah. We weren't allowed to take pictures on the sideline before the game. If we wanted to take our group picture, we'd have to go to the other side. They didn't want anything filmed near our sideline, like they were going to get some secret information from there or something. Yeah, jeez. Well, yeah, you always said you that it was very strict out very there. Very strict. Yeah, but the cold games. I mean, sometimes I'd had five layers of clothing on, and if someone <laughs> like you were coming, I'd say, "Hey, you better make sure you got your thermal underwear on and yeah. a couple of different, you know, layers because it gets cold there." Yeah, Yeah, it didn't help. I actually was told that, uh, careful about those heaters, um, our head athletic trainer at the time. And I said, why? You know, he goes, because you want to stay there the whole game. And I actually got close to the heater and I put my hands up and I did, I was watching the game and I (laughs) felt something weird. And I realized that the this special Nike glove that they, you know, Started issued to melt. all of us. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it melted right in my hand. We used to have players that were rookies. They would stand with their backs to it. And the next thing we would smell is smoke, something burning. It's like, oh, guys, you got to get away from that. You're catching on fire here. Yeah. You have to get a fire yeah. extinguisher soon. Oh, I was in shock. That's, that's crazy. That, it is cold. Yeah. Mike, how did you? Oh, go ahead. No, Jerry, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, with all, all, <laughs> we're so excited! Hey, with all your with all your uh, time in the locker room, what's some of the funniest stories that you have? I mean, you've got to have th- you have three years mean, of locker room stories, but you got a couple you, of them well, have to stand yeah. out. There's a lot of you know in the beginning, 
of my career, you would get people, if you lost the game, they would be carrying on in the locker room. You know, there'd be fights, they'd throw barrels over, they'd kick walls, they put holes in the wall. You know, but all that stopped in more recent years. But one of the funniest stories that happened to me once, we went on the road and we were, I think we were in Carolina. And we got there and my table, the trainers would set it up for me. So they put it in a room, they'd say, Doc, you're all set, paper towels in there, sanitizer, you're ready to go. I get in there and the head trainer comes over to me and he says, Doc, can I talk to you for a second? I said, yeah, everything all right? He goes, well, it depends how you look at things. I said, why? What's, what's going on, Jim? Apparently, your adjusting table didn't make the trip. Oh, oh no. Uh, is there any way you can adjust the guys on the training tables? And you know how high they are. It's like, and yeah. they're flimsy. <laughs> When you get yeah. someone like Will Fork, who's 380 pounds, you're not putting him on that oh table without God. it collapsing. So I said, no, I, I, I need the height to be around my knees in order to get leverage to move him. <laughs> so I said, you, you don't have anything lower? He goes, no, we don't. He says, but I can bring over one of these Gatorade. You know the big trunks, the Gatorade thing? Yes. The coolers? Yeah. Oh, my God. He says, yeah. you can stand on yeah. that and try it. It's like, Jim, I'm not standing on the Gatorade cooler and trying to move people there this is the nfl here this isn't a uh, high school football team so right. he says well you got to do that because everyone's waiting for it you got to make the best of it buddy so i try oh, to stand on it and i was like surfing on it going back and forth it's like this isn't going to oh, work either i'm going over or the play is going over on that table so yeah. they they wound oh, up putting weights from the weight room they had there and they filled no, it up on no. the bottom so it didn't move and I, I went through the entire roster with that thing until Will Fork got there. And then he oh, said, no. No. am I going to be able to lay on this? It's like, I don't think so. Because if you start rolling, we're both going over, buddy. So we finally had him. He says, can you adjust me on the floor? I said, I don't think so, but let's see what we can do. And the guys were like oh, grabbing his legs gosh. and trying to pull him to give me leverage. It's like, this is ridiculous. If this ever happens no. again, I'm, I'm not working. That was it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but wow. it, it turned That's... out to be humorous at the end. We could laugh about it, but when it happened, I was really ticked off. Uh, oh, yeah. But it, it never oh, after that man. it never happened. They had a a board that had all the things that they had to bring every week and that was always listed yeah. as number one. But you know, Jeez. little things like that happen, you just don't think of it. But I do believe that sports chiropractors have to come up with sometimes some you know, off the wall stuff to treat on the field or on the sidelines or, you know, at the end of a 5k race or something, table breaks and you, you know, you got to come up with some creative. We, we had one Super Bowl that we brought the table and that was before I got the lifetime of table that was more steel and they yeah. had the wooden legs. So yeah, yeah. we had, you know, one of the guys was lying on the table and, Joey Andrews, I don't know if you remember him from Patriots, but he was a big, big, big guy. He decided to lie on top of the guy. <laughs> and the minute he got on top of him, we heard a crunch, the beautiful sound of wood crunching, and the legs oh, buckled. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> and that was the end of the table. So Bill came in and he said, uh, what's going on here? I said, well, right now we have no table. What oh. happened? And I told him the story. He goes, God damn. You know, are you kidding me? It's like, it wasn't me who broke it. 
He says, what do we do? So they had to call the chiropractor from the city we were in and see oh, if he could get a table to us. So the guy says, oh, I'll get a table under one circumstance. I get a ticket to the Super Bowl. And the Patriots, <laughs> the way they run business, it's like nobody's getting a ticket unless they pay for it. It's like, well, we've got an issue here. It's either that or we have no table now. Oh, no so they, he wound up bringing the table down. They set it up and he got, they did give him the ticket. No, wow. So, yeah, so he got to go to the game. But it, it was just a weird thing that in the midst of everything, just before I'm ready to stop, boom, wow. everything's in two pieces. <laughs> so, you know, but they don't think of bringing an extra or something in case something like that happens. Oh, my gosh. So, that's, those are, that's those are good warnings. Yeah. For other other <laughs> listeners, that's so funny. Well, let's let's go that back in time. Thing. Yeah, let's go back in time, and and find out how you got started in chiropractic. That's something I've never asked you oh, before. I, <laughs> I was actually doing research at Boston University Medical Center, so my original plan was to go into neurosurgery. Oh, wow. And friends of mine that were research scientists there that I was working with said to me one day, they said, yeah, you know, this is really a depressing field here because the minute the skull is removed and the brain is exposed, damage occurs. And a lot of the tumors they were dealing with, they said, you know, most of them were malignancies, most of them were fatal. And even if you removed them, they reoccurred in time. So he said, it's a really miserable profession. You should go into something more natural. Why don't you go into sports medicine? I said, well, I don't know. This is the research I'm doing now. See, they said, if it were me, I'd go into chiropractic because it's really? more a natural approach. No. So really? from that point, as a deer, I went to Palmer College of Chiropractic in Davenport. And I went there one weekend and all I wanted to do was talk to people in the clinic to see why they chose that alternative, yeah. uh, did they see medical doctors first or was this just something that they, in that area, decided those were going to be their primary care physicians? So I got into the clinic and I talked to about a half a dozen people before they tried to kick me out. Then the director had come in and said, excuse me, can I ask you what you're doing here? I said, yeah, I'm a student at BU Medical Center and I came here because I'm interested in chiropractic. I just want to see and get a feel for why people chose chiropractic over, you know, regular medicine. And he said, well, we really can't have you talk to people here. It's, you know, at that point, they weren't thinking about HIPAA violations, but they, they were nervous that someone was questioning people there. Okay. So I said, I am doing nothing to expose chiropractic in a negative light. We're just trying to talk to people. Then he let me stay. And Everyone had the same story to me. They had always tried the medical approach first. It didn't work successfully. They saw a chiropractor, and before you knew it, they were back on their feet and 100%. So I said, there's got to be something to it. Everyone can't be brainwashed. So at that point, I went back to Boston. I said, you know what? I don't know. I'm going to somehow see what it's like. I'm going to enroll there, and I want to see if they're going to brainwash me the whole time or if it's something that I'm actually going to learn that's something that's hands-on that I can figure out what's what's actually going on here. And you know, in Palma, when you first go there, when they teach palpation skills, the first thing they want to do to first-year students is they want to say, here's a book, like a yellow oh, yeah. page book, you yeah. know, the real thick yeah. ones. 
and they pull out a strand yep. of hair and yep. they put yes. it in the middle somewhere and they go, yep. put your hand over the top and see if you can feel it. And yep. you don't feel a damn thing. It's like, no, I don't feel it. It's like, you don't feel that ridge? It's like, no. It's like, well, then maybe this isn't for you, buddy, because you should yeah. be able to feel that. <laughs> yeah. So until you actually one day get to feel that, then yeah. you realize maybe you have a little sensitivity and palpation skills there. But it, it was very nerve-wracking in the beginning when you first get yeah. there and people are telling, oh, you should be able to feel this. You don't feel this. You can't feel it. It's like, no, I don't feel a thing. <laughs> yeah. I'm we wondering what say, this is all about here. We yeah. had the same day in Cleveland. Yeah. We had the, my first day. I had to feel a hair in the book. I'm like, I don't right. feel a damn thing. <laughs> oh, it's right here. Where? There's no way in hell you feel that. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then yeah. they'd have that board, that spring-loaded board that they teach you how to, you know, thrust oh, into. Yeah. You have to cause yeah. a little hinge to close and. Yeah. make it by hand and you keep hitting it it's like wow this isn't really closing like it should right away yeah so you, you start <laughs> to have that. doubts about yourself but you know <laughs> it was it was a different experience in the beginning i'm glad i went that route though yeah that's crazy. Oh, so, great well obviously you're so proud of the profession that your son is now a chiropractor. Yeah, yes. I saw that. That's, I, I was very happy when he went into yeah, that. He went man. from wanting to study law to wanting to be an architect. Then oh he wanted to be God. a uh, neurosurgeon at one point. So at yeah. one point he came up to me and he was mad at me. What? He says, you know, so I'm a little disappointed in you. It's like, you're disappointed in me for what? He says, well, you never forced this on me to even tell me to become a chiropractor. If you thought it was such a good profession. It's like, well, I love the profession, but you have to have a passion for it. If you don't have a passion for it, I'm not going to tell you to do something. And oh, it's not something you want in life. Yeah. But, you know, I'm very proud of him. He's been with me now for five years. Oh, wow. He's He became the chiropractor to the New England Revolution soccer team. Yeah. Oh, wow. So in the three years he's been with them, he's brought him to the playoffs every year. For, you know, they hadn't been there for over 20 years. That and the strange. injury rate is almost non-existent. And right now, as of a few weeks ago, with five or six more games left in the season, they secured the first you know, playoff position. They secured home field advantage. So I think all three games could be in Foxborough. And if they do, they go to the oh, Cup. And last year great. was the first time they got to the final game. They were in Columbus, Ohio. And they took him to the away games. And in MLS soccer, none of the doctors, even the medical staff, no one's brought to the uh, away games. The, you know, the visiting team is seen by the home team's physicians. Yeah. But the wow. players pushed it and pushed it enough so that they brought him. The medical director called me and said, how'd your son get on the flight? I'd like to be there myself. And I'm the medical director and I'm sitting home. It's like, I have no idea. I didn't want to, you know, stir up a hornet's nest there, but right. he did oh, go true. and they lost one to nothing. So, you know, he was good about it. I was worse off than he was because I, I wanted him to see what it's like. But the yeah, fact that yeah. he could fly with the team and he, you know, went into the hotels with them, it gave him right. some excitement level that, you know, I wanted him to experience. And the coach of the revolution, even though we wanted to try to see if we could move him into the Patriots, didn't want him to leave. They said the players, coaches, they all love him, so we want him here right now. So we'll see what happens in the future. But they hired – I told the owner when he when I was leaving the team, I said, you're going to have to hire two doctors to take my place here. <laughs> Unless they have a photographic memory 
and they know everyone's idiosyncrasies, they're going to have a difficult time. He goes, oh, well, whatever it is, you know, it's next man up philosophy on that team. So when they did replace me, they brought some guys in. They brought one person in, and then they had to hire a second one. So they couldn't get through the roster. It's like, what's the problem? So last year, they had a lot of injuries during the season. And I got a call probably after the eighth or ninth game of the season. It was like, Bill says, can you do me a personal favor? We've got 17 guys on the injury report. And I know you're retired, but if I can't win against the Jets Monday night, my season's over because it's a divisional game. So I'm not going to say no to him. I said, you know what? I'll be more than happy to do it. But I had to go three mornings at six in the morning to be COVID tested in a trailer they have there. So I'd have to go there. After the three negatives, you could then go back into the stadium, which I hadn't been in all year. And they had, I told them I'll be there at 530 in the morning. I had the test. At six, I was in the stadium. Instead of 17 guys waiting for me, there were 22 players waiting for me, plus Bill and his two sons. So there was like 25 (laughs) in total. I said, I've got my office going from nine to seven today. But, you know, that's like, we'll see who you can get through, whatever you can get through. But I I managed to do it. And I went after I left there, I go back to my office for another 10 days, uh, 10 hours rather. And I'm in the office killing myself saying, I'll never do this again. It's not <laughs> worth it to me how tired I was at the end of the day. Right. But the good thing is 14 of the 17 guys played that Monday night and they won yeah. the game. So at that point, oh, I said, great. I'm vindicated now. Yeah. yeah so that, that's right. I miss the camaraderie of the players and the coaches. I don't miss the work that was involved. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. I mean, I don't know about you, whether you miss not being there. I know you were on the sideline taking pictures, so it was a different <laughs> venue to be doing it that way. I, I, I do yeah. miss it. I still I don't do. think he's a I chiropractor. Do. I think he's a photographer. <laughs> I, he does take great pictures, though. I got to tell you, they're amazing. Thanks. Thanks, Mike. I was thinking that's my way back into the team now. You know, I'd be right, one of the right, reporters right. now interviewing yeah. the guys at the end of the game. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you, you talk about a lot of the joys. What about some of the stressful moments that you know, a lot of these new chiropractors come out and yeah. they don't realize that you have to you have to work under yeah. pressure? What's some of the moments that you just went, oh no, and then <laughs> but you still got through? A lot of times you get some precious sensations or situations when you have a player and they bring them over to you. And the worst of times is before a Super Bowl game. So if they have two or three people that are questionable, especially with Bill, he'd say, I need these guys in Sunday's game. I can't, you know, I need these defensive players. They got to play. It's like, well, I'm going to do whatever I can in my power. But when I got there, you know, we get there usually on a Super Bowl week, we would get there, the medical staff, usually on Wednesday night. So it'd give you a few nights, but you know, one of the players they brought over to me once was so antalgic, he was shooting pains in his leg, passing out from the pain. They had him on all oh. these different painkillers. It's like, I don't know. And the medical staff looked at me and they said, We have him out for Sunday. I don't know what you're gonna tell Bill, but this you can't activate him and then take him away once he's activated. I said, Well, let me see how he is by Saturday. 
But I saw him, you know, every day. It's like, can you see him twice a day? It's like, I can look at him twice. He may not need to be manipulated. But he had a sacral misalignment, and he was a big guy, like, you know, over 300 pounds. I said, great. But afterwards, he was able to stand upright. The antalgia was gone. His leg pain disappeared, and he played. But those are the stressful times where it's like, you know you're being judged with every player you see. Because I always told my son in the beginning, the first Patriot he saw in my office, I was away for the weekend. And I didn't think the player would come in because I was out. But he came in anyways. I said, you're going to have to treat him. And it's a make or break situation for you. Because if he likes you and you make him feel better, you're his hero. If you don't and he doesn't get better, guess what? You're the goat now. So you don't want to be the bad goat. So he says, oh, that's nice. Nice, like, putting all that pressure on me. It's like, well, I'm being honest with you. So it's either you're going to succeed or you suffer the consequences. But he was lucky. The guy, he adjusted his knee. He's very good with extremities. And the player said he felt great, went back to play. So it was was a positive for him. But you have those situations all the time, and you know you're being judged because even the medical staff, they would watch me while I adjusted the players. And they'd see them coming in. It's like, Oh, I just had a, you know, I thought I was going to have to give him a Turidol injection because his back was in spasm. What did you do to stop that? Yeah. But, you know, when they see the results, they start to see there's some pattern to it that you can yeah. do things that maybe they can't do. And I respect what they can do for the team. But yeah. it's always every game was stressed in the fact that when you're on the sideline and you're losing and whatever you're thinking, is there something more I could have done so that the player interacted better on the field, uh, was faster responding to different things. But I would always tell the players one thing. I'd say to them, if you're in pain, it's a distractor to you. So if you don't get treated and you're out there and you're feeling your hip and you're shifting and saying something isn't right, it's going to slow you down. And even a fraction of a second that your attention isn't on the field and a ball comes your way, it's the difference of picking up, you know, a pick interception, you're going to miss those if you're thinking about something else. So when I adjust them, I would tell them, we're taking away the distraction, which is the pain. That's great. And I think every listener should be excited about hearing this kind of, this kind of, you know, background in your experience at that pro level, because, you know, when, when some of these, these uh, new kids, they try to get in with the athletic trainers to a high school or a college or anything. And they go, ah, no, no, no. They don't realize that we're so well integrated at that professional level. So, you know, so, so what are you, are you complete? You're not, are you retired from practice or no? No. I I told people I'm semi-retired. I only work six days a week now. I got my seventh day of rest one way or the other. But I'll tell you, going to the games this year is frustrating because we're 0-4 in the home games. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it's tough to watch that. It's very tough to watch that. And the fans in Boston, you could be loyal your entire time as, you know, a Patriot fan, but you see four losses, the guys are already getting booed off the field. Because oh, they're boy. not used to seeing people lose at home here. I'm used to seeing that. Mike, we went 0-4 we went, oh, 
one in 16. And I know. we, I, we I had know like three psychologists. <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey, Mike, do you, do you see yes. that your success, you, 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 uh, you uh, credit the success of your team to the chiropractor, uh, you, yourself. What do we say about Spencer's team and the success of the, the not success in the chiropractor? Yeah. That was that was poor coaching. Poor coaching Thanks, Mike. You know, Mike, earlier earlier you said that you were you went through seven coaches. I went, since the Shula right. era, I went through ten coaches, and one of them was Saban. Wow. You know, I'll never forget that. Yeah. I mean, we, you just see all these different types of leadership and what doesn't work and what does well. And every every time there's a new coach, it's, this is going to be the year, and it ends yes, up nothing. Yeah. Well, I know. <laughs> so, you know Nick. Nick, who's yeah. the present chiropractor, for, he always oh, – yeah. Every time he sees me, he goes, you think there's a chance I'm going to get to a Super Bowl? You think I'm – I said, hey, I'm hoping for you. You got a good head coach now. Hopefully something will happen. Right. But right. he's dying. You know, everyone who works for a professional team, you want the ultimate prize for. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So hey, everyone works for the same thing, but, you know. It wasn't yeah. meant to be for certain people. You know, like look at poor Dan Marino, played his whole career and never got a Super Bowl right. ring. So yep. it's tough. Yeah. I, was, I was in a World Series with the Marlins. That was about it. But okay. So. That's, that's baseball. <laughs> did, did they, did they, did they win? Did they yeah, win? They won. They won. I never saw anything like oh, it. I got caught okay. up in something. I, yeah. I was shocked, but it was, it was really, it was not, it's nothing like if, if it was football, it was, you know, it's, you know, baseball. So yeah. <laughs> the the guys at foot, the, the athletic trainers at the at Miami Dolphins always kind of make jokes about the athletic trainers and their job descriptions. Like, Oh, did he, did anybody break a nail today? Or, you know, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> you know. well, I was, yeah. I was fortunate in one respect was that my 38 years with the team, I only had two trainers. Wow. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So That's one of them cool. was there for 25 years. The other one was there for 13 years. Jim. Wow. Jim Whalen, is it? Yeah. Whalen's been there a long time. But yeah. before that, it was Ron O'Neill. So it wasn't like we had the turnover. That's great. You know, the yeah. head coach is a one thing, but we we had three ownerships, too, since yeah. I was there. Oh, my That's gosh. Great. Yeah. That's so great. Wow. Anyway, aside from that, I mean, we uh, let's. I guess we could wrap it up. Is there anything in particular that you wanted to throw out there, Mike, to any of the you know listeners? Like, what most most of them might be new guys or guys that are already in the field. Yeah, well, anything I'm, in particular? I'm just like I. I always like to tell you know young doctors and so forth that you got to go for your dreams and you have to realize you're making a sacrifice as a team doctor. It's not all fun and games. A lot of people think it's just going to be the glory of it, but there's a lot of work involved. So if you're willing to make that commitment, you're making a commitment to the team, to the players, to the coaches, to the staff, you have to be there for them. So you become a yes man a lot of times, and you have to realize that you're a team player. Like That's right. A lot of times, uh, I know you say it a lot, you have to leave your ego at the door because there are other people there that, you know, it's like, hey, you're not the only one here that's helping them. Everyone contributes to the whole. That's right. So it's like I I said to Mr. Kraft the year before I left, we were in one of the last games of the year and he was the last to be treated. I said, you know, I've been with this team for 37 years. 
I said, do you think I deserve a game ball or something after all this time? <laughs> so he says, well, you know, I've only owned the team for 24 years. So technically you've been with us 24 years. It's like, no, you've been with the Patriots for 24 years. I've been with them for 37. So he goes, well, it's a matter of semantics. It's like, it's not a matter of semantics. But he, <laughs> oh said, he said to me, well, we only recognize team achievement, not individual achievement on the team. I said, well, I guess I wasted 37 years then. He goes, you didn't waste 37 years. Everyone knows who you are. They know what you do. It's like, I know, but you would think you're telling me I don't deserve a game ball after all this time? So he says, well, we don't treat people differently whether they've been with us for one season or 37 seasons. Oh, my God. And that, that didn't sit well with me. Right. <laughs> But, you know, yeah. you think of what you do with these teams. It's like you want yeah. at least acknowledgement for what you do. Right. True. Absolutely. You know, so, oh, and with my team, I, I I never got that game ball. I got a game ball for being a loyal fan for so many years. They sent it to every <laughs> every season ticket holder, but I never got the game ball. I'm, I'm still waiting for the last Super Bowl for the painted ball they give you, which yeah, yeah. somehow wasn't sent to any of the doctors on the team. They decided to cut costs. Oh my, oh my god! Yeah, but if you yeah. saw all of Mike's rings, yeah, that yeah. that is a sight. Yeah, I bet it is. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, I bet. It is. Well, that's one thing I did acquire was I never yeah. got a full dozen, but I have six Super Bowl and five championship rings. Yeah, so I got my eleven. That's there you fantastic. Go. So you have your son involved, following your footsteps. Yes. What's some pearls that you could, we can leave? Um, what's some pearls that you could tell the new doctor coming out besides the fact of be a yes man and and a passionate chiropractic? What's some, like a, a, a nice little pearl that we that you can leave for somebody that's new coming in? We we always tell someone who's you know getting into the profession or whatever. It's like there's nothing like the satisfaction of helping someone who's either sick or hurting when you can see the results afterwards and how you affected them in their lives to improve the you know significance of what they do so that they feel better about themselves so my son you know he's from a different generation where they feel that if you have office hours these are your office hours there's there's office hours for a reason and I'll always say to him listen you're in a service business here if someone's in pain, I don't care what time it is, you try to do whatever you can to work them into your schedule. For example, tomorrow I'm through at noontime, but there's a new patient that was trying to get in. There was no space for him. I said to the girls, put him in after 12 when I'm finished and I'll see him because, you know, they, these people, it was one of our state troopers, sergeants, but he does things for me. I can't say, well, I'm sorry, I have no opening. So the newer generation doesn't want to do any more than they have to because they say <laughs> they work to live. They don't live to work. Right. Mm. So the philosophy between generations is different now. So a lot of these younger yeah. guys, when they go to teams, they don't stay long because they realize it's a lot of work. The money isn't the best in most situations. So they would rather do something else or have more fun, be with their friends on weekends. Why stay later in the night? Why add people to your schedule? So it's it's different philosophies, but I enjoy seeing the outcome of patient treatment to see before and after, to see how you can have someone walk in your office in agony. Some of them are 
at their wits end. And then a few days later, when they come in, people will say, was that the same person that was here when I first came in? It's like, that's him. How? It's like, that's the miracles of chiropractic. Yeah. yeah. So, And with that said, you know, passion and, and commitment is probably the key. And it, it actually was quite funny that Wall Street Journal featured an article on how the mafia is having trouble with recruits <laughs> because it's a different generation for the right. same reason. Right. They're exactly. texting. They're texting. Oh, they like, hey, Big Johnny, you know, <laughs> knock somebody <laughs> off. What do I do with that? You know, and then you go, don't text that stuff. You know, and so yeah. anyway, but yeah, passion and commitment. Yeah. That's what it's about. See, I'm know. old school. In my office, when my when I come into the office, before I yeah. leave in the morning, I check my messages and emails. Right. I don't look at my phone until lunchtime. That's and then afterwards, it stays out of my hands until I'm finished at the end of the day. Where my son's generation, it's attached to them. So they won't yeah. miss one text message, right? right. Not one right. text message, nothing. So it's like if they send something to me during the day, it's like I texted you at 2.30 and waited until 6 to hear from you. It's like, that's right, because I'm not looking at my phone. It's called a distraction. Right, you need right. to realize that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's so funny. So there is oh, a difference Mike. in in the age groups, yeah. though. True, Mike. It's been an absolute pleasure. I've known you for so many yeah. years. This is the kind of thing that right. I really, really enjoy. And Terry and I are absolutely appreciative that you could yeah. spend this time. It's my sharing. pleasure. Really, thank you so much, man. Thanks for taking appreciate it. And I hope Mike. to see really you guys it. soon. Yeah, uh, you will. Seeing me. You Absolutely, will. buddy. Good All right. Nice talking to you both. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. You can find announcements and more on our Instagram at the Backs Podcast. Give us a follow and let us know what you think. We'd love to hear from you. Tune in every Monday and Wednesday for a new episode at 7 a.m. CST. See you next time.